Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law, and with me as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Just the two of us today, uh, Lavender Gooms. Just a broken man after I've been going to a wedding this weekend. I'm just going to go with that terminology, okay? I, I want to throw it out there. I did look just now for different national days it is, and that... That shit's ridiculous. I don't know why Mike does it. Yeah. There's literally 15 different completely. This is whatever they got to sell to you tomorrow, bro. I think it's National Pizza Day at least seven times a year. I feel we're in the I, office. I see it, and we're just. I'm just like. I feel I said this last month. <laughs> I think tomorrow, to the the day that listeners are listening to it, it's Blind Dog Day. I think the, the day we're recording it is like National Russian Flag Day. It's just it's it's insane. So you know, I got to give props to Mike. For sessing through all you that, mean like national take crap. your cat to the vet day. <laughs> yeah, the vet day, yes. I was like, what, what does that even mean? What I is mean, this? What's going on? Yeah, but it's also Tori Amos's birthday, so right. shout out to her. Sure. You know, Why Russia not? National Flag Day. We're not celebrating today. I, I saw that. Oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. Was, see, Bobby was like, I was like, that's a little problematic, and it's still the only one I remembered when we were trying to. And I was trying National to Pamela out. Day. Shout out to the Pams out there, bro. Shout sure. out. Yeah. I mean, this is us doing Mike's job here for him. You know. Yeah. Well, we, you know, he might listen to this, and he, I think he'll feel happy that we tried to. We did our best. Continue the tradition. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say we did our best. We tried for. I can tell you. No. I. Yeah, uh, let's see, intro's about 30 seconds, minute and 40 seconds, all right? Yeah, I, I skimmed it over for 20 seconds, and I was like, good lord, this is a bunch of bullshit, and then I just, we, we, we came up with what we came up, and there you go. Um. All right, Um. well, I mean, I know it's big news, National Pam Day and everything, but let's talk about mm. what I truly believe, Mark, was, if not the sh- most single-shocking moment to happen in a fight in the UFC ever, Mm-hmm. It's right up there with Anderson and Weidman for me. Um, I specify moment because, like, when Ronda Rousey lost, it was surprising and all, but she was also getting her ass kicked for about two minutes beforehand. So, mm-hmm. single individual moment. Of course, we're the, talking about. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say the Yair and Zombie. That's another one. I think had. Yeah. yeah some, but this was on a bigger. There was much more writing. There on was this, so, so much at, on the line here. Um, of course, we're talking about Leon Edwards' knockout of number one pound for pound ranked. The man they're saying is the greatest welterweight ahead of George St. Pierre. Mm-hmm. A man who apparently did not show up with shirts to the city of Salt to Salt Lake City because there was a lot of shirtless stare downs or half a shirt stare downs. And All right, sure. Kamaru Usman, man. The man. Um Leon Rocky Edwards knocked that man out with thir- fifty-six seconds left in the fifth round. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, when that head kick happened, I was like I'm washing dishes while I'm watching the fifth round. The last three rounds have been pretty much identical. Um, mm. Not a beatdown. It's just Kamara Usman's winning. And, like, there's not a lot going on. And then all of a sudden, see a, a corner of my eye, I see a head kick, knock a motherfucker out, and I'm just like, there was a brief moment, I'll be honest, where I'm like, Kamara Usman throw a head kick? 
He's like, no, no, no. Kawhi mm-hmm. Usman's unconscious. He, Mark, eyes open, knocked out. Like you goddamn read about. Leon Edwards, mm-hmm. welterweight champion of the world. Before we break down the fight itself, just your reaction. I mean, watching it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I didn't watch this one live, so I was I was kind of robbed of that kind of moment of not anticipating it. Because sometimes when with these pay per views, I'm not going to watch the moment of I can't help myself. I still want to know what happens. So I was reading the uh, the live play by play, which doesn't have the same impact whatsoever. And I mostly just I was reading the live play by play, and I just saw the fifth round, and it mostly just said like shocking knockouts. I was like, oh, that's so. When I did get to watch it, you know, I, I was anticipating that. Now it's like it was kind of coming to watch it on a second viewing, right? I, I knew what the outcome was going to be, so I got to kind of look and see how things materialized. And it, it still was a great, shocking moment, even seeing it coming, just because of how the fight was playing out. And, and honestly, like for me, kind of knowing what happened, the first round was maybe even more shocking to me. Oh, just yeah. the way. Well, I mean, let's Leon get into that was... too, man. Oh, yeah, once you talk sure. into that. Because honestly, your breakdown of the fight, rounds two for four, you could just say, well, Kamara was Kamara Usman for three rounds in the middle there. But first round. I, I want to say I think he was even more than what we've seen him do before. But the first round was, I mean, one, when we broke it down last week, we did, we did mention, I, I remember I mentioned that, you know, Leon Edwards was going to be technically the more proficient striker, right? And But we also know Usman striking has take leaps and bounds. He's not afraid to pressure, and his hands have gotten really good. In the first round, what was most impressive was, you know, when Usman was able to neg- uh, try to go for a takedown, ended up in a clinch against the cage. You know, Edwards was the one to get the, a, a strong over-under clinch and get a trip takedown off the cage, got into mounts, Position well, to well, his let's back. Let's pause for a second, Mark. You said what yeah. did he do? What did he do to him? He, he took got, him down. He took him down. And let me tell you who did not take down Kamara Usman in the UFC. <laughs> okay, mean... Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, <laughs> Gilbert Burns, Jorge Masvidal, Colby Covington, Tyrone Woodley, Rafael dos Anjos, Damian Maya, Sean Strickland, Sergio Moraes, other dudes. All right, Leon Edwards the first time. Some pretty good grapplers in there, man. Yeah, I've, seen, no, really. I've seen a lot of those dudes dump, do some takedowns. I've seen even Damian Maya dump some dudes a bunch of times. And they could none of these people could do anything to Kamaru Usman. Rocky Edwards in the first round. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, besides the ultimate finish was maybe the most surprising thing was just not only that he was able to do it, but just how easily he did it. He got a tight over under and he was able to just cinch up the back and trip that leg out. And then from there, you know, and you have to kind of wonder with a guy that is so dominant in the wrestling exchanges, you know, how much does Usman train off his back? And he did not look bad, but he did give up his back, but he was able to, to defend the, the rear naked choke for, I think it was like two minutes. He had, yeah, Marcus, I think he's time tra- to work. I think he's training with, uh, remember, uh, Jorge Santiago. I think that's mm, his main right, grappling okay. coach. And yeah, Edwards, by the way, did say he kind of regretted trying to take the back and go for the choke and stuff. He thinks he should have, <laughs> He says, I know how good Kamaru is, and I probably should have spent the time doing damage rather than fishing mm-hmm. for that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I mean, always easier to say after the fact, you know, in the heat of the moment when you have a guy's back or he's transitioning to give his back, I think it's very hard to think like, oh, he might defend this. I should really, it's just like, I got this opportunity in the first round. I'm not tired. We're not sweaty. If you're going to get a submission, this is probably going to be your best chance. And he was unable to. Usman made great adjustments from there. He really, I mean, he was already doing pretty good 
in the first round, it was kind of shocking that Edwards was able to stop the takedown, get in a strong clinch position and take him down. But from there, like you said, rounds two to four, he put great pressure on him. He did a great job trapping Edwards against the cage and doing one of the things that, you know, I always talk about these guys need to do when he got Edwards against the cage and Edwards was covering up, he attacked the body and the head. He wasn't just head hunting. He was landing good shots. And then he ultimately, the thing that Edwards really started lacking on was defending those takedowns when he was getting on his hips. I think on the clinch positions, he was very strong on not getting taken down. But when Usman could get a deep shot on him against the cage, he was pretty much able to take him down at will. Uh, to Edwards, um, you know, for, from his point of view, he was really good at getting back up. Uh, he didn't take a ton of damage on the ground. And although Usman was throwing, like he was, he would get him down and really try to put some damage on him, but he had good defense on the ground. He was able to get back up. And that's one thing that I think if Usman goes back to the drawing board, um, you know, back to the gym, I think something that they can work on is instead of letting these guys kind of get back up, getting the back clinch to kind of work the wrestling again to get another takedown, if he can solidify himself, get the hooks in when they're when the opponents are giving his back and try to flatten them out. You know, his style of wrestling is not bad because it wears guys down, but we saw Edwards had fantastic conditioning. You know, while technically he was coming up short in the anti-grappling and stopping the takedowns, he was still fresh. He still had well, the you know energy what, to work his way back up. You know, it's interesting. Even with that, he did feel, I mean, even like as good as he did, he did feel like, man, that the thing got to him. I mean, we're going to talk about it more yeah, in the co-main event. Saying, yeah, he was saying that he did not perform um, well. And, with the uh, elevation and stuff and how prepared. Because he says he got there like a week or two before, I think he said two weeks before, mm-hmm. which is not, I think Kane Velasquez taught us. Uh, that does, that's not enough time. Um, and, uh, but yeah, that was, Ah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, that, that was a yeah. factor for him doing as well as he did. And by the way, let's say this before we don't get to, before we get too far down the line here. Of all the fighters on the entire card, Kamar Usman looked like the one where the um, situation with the elevation had no impact on him. Yeah, him training spent, I mean, in Denver, a thousand miles above Salt Lake City. You start putting stuff together, Marcus. Him. Justin Gaethje, Rose Namajunas, that whole team of Trevor Whitman fighters are real active on their feet and they don't get tired. There's something to it also. Yeah. I mean, and that's and it's not a new tactic. You know, Tito used to go to Big Bear. A lot of people would try to train in elevation. I think it, it probably even helps you more when you're living there, you know, for extended amounts of yeah. time for years on end because you're sleeping there. You really get acclimated besides, you know, just doing a training camp where you might be a couple months at elevation and then you, know, you come back down or whatever. But yeah. Usman physically looked great, you know, besides the first round, he was doing a good job. You know, ultimately what led to his demise is something that Leon learned. And I think in his last fight, his last fight was Nate, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you can draw a lot of parallels to how both of them were doing. I mean, Edwards doing even better than Usman was in his fight against Nate than Usman did here, you know, winning all the rounds and kind of, you know, you get in that fifth round you get to this point where it's like, okay, you know, I, I've been putting on a good pace. I've been trying to put damage on, but I'm not, I'm not going to get this guy out of here, right? It didn't seem like Usman was really that close to doing enough damage or getting Edwards in a position where he was going to be able to finish the fight, but he was handily winning the fight. And it did seem like he let off the gas a little bit. You know, he kind of wasn't pressuring as much. He let Edwards kind of lead the dance a little bit. And a good setup to, you know, a left high kick off a of southpaw led to his demise so well you also get people talk about it man you get those wrestle boxers and it's hard i don't you don't want to you know 
diminish everything Usman's accomplished as a martial artist, but like wrestle boxer is the archetype. Mm-hmm. Them ducking into their power side, really popular move. A lot of them have ducked into they do that move where they duck into their they're like they duck their head into their own power side as Usman did, ate that left shin across the dome. That was it. New champ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was a fantastic setup from Edwards. And again, like I think it was, you know, he Usman kind of let Edwards kind of dictate the pace a little bit because I think he just felt comfortable. And Edwards was in kind of a similar situation with Nate, right? He kind of let off the gas a little bit and Nate caught him. And in that exchange, he was able to survive and ultimately win the fight. But Edwards didn't allow that to happen, right? Yeah. And, and we've seen this in other fights. And, you know, I think when you look at uh, Marlon Vieira, there's been multiple times where, you know, that guy's kind of just waiting for that opening. I mean, and it's easy to look at at the Dominic fight, you know, kind of. Yeah, but, exactly no, but the, the shit's not scenario. over. The thing's not over. There's a bell for a no. reason. And what was um the big cat, the big, uh, the big large, the, the, the dude who beat Yoshino Akami. He trained with Matt Hume. Help me out. um White dude. With the metal detector on the embeddeds. Um, I was going to say Matt Lindland, but I'm not really no, sure. No, he trains with Matt Hume. Um, oh, Tim Boach. I remember... You should oh, okay. Okami's kicking, getting his kicking Tim Boach's ass six ways from Sunday. Before the third round starts, Matt uh, Matt Hume is just like he pretty much just motherfuckered him into like motherfucker. You got to go out there. Like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. hyped him up and like, like a bat out of hell, man. Knocked him out. He came out yeah. and Matt it, it, It's just not over. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. not over. And similar corner work with Edwards. You know, his team was very adamant about trying to make him realize, you know, the things that he was doing wrong and being very animate, you know, using a lot of cuss words, trying to really sell the fact that he needed to make changes. He needed not to get bullied. He needed to dictate the pace. Oh yeah. People were shitting on there, by the way, people on the corner work were just like, Oh yeah, that was some classic, like BJ Penn, like corner work, like with his team where people always made fun of his team for just being like, go get him, BJ or something like that. Mm -hmm. And these guys know Leon Edwards. And with each round, they got more and more urgent. They know what's going on. This guy, between the ears is the battle with him because he's very technically proficient. We need him to believe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, in I think the commentary booth was talking about how they were, you know, they kind of wrote Edwards off and it's easy now to say like, Oh, how could you, you know, he's such a technical athlete. And it, it is also like if watching Leon Edwards throughout these fights, he's not a very like super animated guy, no. right? Like he's not someone that you see get really pumped up. He's very methodical and he's kind of quiet and stoic. So it is kind of funny when Dean Thomas was saying like, oh, like he's broken because he wasn't looking his corner man in the eye. It's like I, Leon Edwards oh, yeah. kind of is the guy doesn't really look, you know, like is his focus isn't maybe necessarily on what's going on. But it, the gears are always, you, you know, you know so. how like the UFC, the, whether you, okay, at least I believe, I think you do, too, that there's times where it's clear the broadcaster has been told to push a narrative like the way mm, they've sure. okay. Mm-hmm. Look, we're going to get into it after we talk a little bit more. Spoiler alert, we're talking about this fight for like at least half the podcast, guys. That's yeah, what's there's happening. no fights next week, so we got we're gonna, to oh, No, this specific fight. We'll get to Luke Rockhold in a minute and uh, Tyson Pedro and his gimmicked fight. Okay? Gimmicked opponent, not gimmick fight. Apologies. Um, but this is what we're talking about because this was massive. We're going to talk about the whole UFC's general disdain for Leon Edwards and how they treated him for the past couple years. And what it took for him to actually get a title shot, one that God knows, Mark, he would never have gotten another one. He would have never gotten another fucking title shot. Mm-hmm. But the way Dean Thomas was going in on him and, like, Cormier, they really wrote his ass off. Like, it wasn't like they wrote his ass off and that, like, 
with a minute left in the fight. They wrote his ass off. It felt like we're into the fourth round, and they're like, yeah, this guy's fucked, right? Like, look at him. He doesn't care. He's done. He's broken. I thought that was a bit much, honestly. I mean, I wasn't offended by it. I was just thinking like, well, this is unusual for them to do that to somebody, I thought. I felt it was a little bit disrespectful to assume such a thing. I mean... This is my other time. I've seen a lot of. I mean, I watched a lot of BJ Penn fights, Mark, and around round three or four to BJ Penn fight, he looked like he'd given up. Nobody said shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think what's more egregious. I mean, look at like his performance in rounds three and four kind of led you to believe that like he really didn't have the technical ability to hang with Usman anymore because he was getting dominated. Yeah, he was getting dominated standing. Where is where we thought he would be the most proficient at, and he was giving up takedowns fairly easily. I think where the analysis kind of went in the wrong direction is like he didn't give the body language that he was giving up because he kept fighting. Every mm -hmm. time he got taken down, he got himself back up. And it wasn't, I mean, we'll talk about it in the co-main event. Like Luke Rockhold had the body language of someone that was not necessarily mentally broken, but physically exhausted, yeah. right? Like, and, and that would be an accurate assessment is like this dude has nothing in the tank left. And, you, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Edwards didn't have that, right? Like, he was proficiently getting beaten in positions. He was losing takedowns. He was there's able a lack, to work himself back up. There was a lack of urgency for a guy about and to lose a, a championship fight. And, and that's kind of, I mean, when you, and I think part of the reason why the UFC brass might not have been as excited for Leon Edwards is he does not really have that charisma that they would want in a champion to really be able to promote. He's not a guy that really promotes himself in a way that like makes fans excited. Well, and he also just, he also pushes back. He's not a yeah, no, he, he'll push like, back. We're gonna get to that in a minute, but he pushes the the path it took, Marcus. I'm not thinking you remember some of the shit Leon Edwards had to go through the last well, couple yeah, of years. There's lots of postponements. I mean, fuck it, let's just get into it. Leon Edwards uh was gonna fight um I think it was March twenty twenty. He was gonna fight mm -hmm. Tyrone Woodley. I think right. it was it was in London. Um well stuff started happening in London in, in the yeah. world. There was COVID they told him with no fight book, we need you to fly out of to, to six days before the car, a car that didn't end up happening. I don't think we need you to fly to the United States right now. And Leon Edwards is like, I live in England. They're closing everything. You yeah. want me to just fly here with nothing? And there's a lot of people who didn't go to go back home or go somewhere for a long time. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people. Like I got friends who like. Loved ones died, but they couldn't travel back to the place because of COVID and stuff. So this so think about where what the world was at that time. They told Lee, they, they got angry at Leon for that, first of all, right? Next, they start offering they they, they offered Leon uh, that that fight Mosfidal took on six days notice against Usman. Edwards is like, I'm not taking a title shot on six days notice. It's just I'm not right. that type of fighter. Okay. Granted, maybe he would have made him a lot of money. Maybe he would have kicked him in the head then. We don't know. But he wanted to give himself the best opportunity. They start offering him guys ranked 15, 16, 17. They're ranking him guys who are unranked. They start offering him guys like that. Leon Edwards is like, I'm ranked like sixth. Give me somebody in the top 10. I'm trying to advance my career. They pull him out of the rankings because of inactivity, right? Remember that shit? No, they pulled I, him out of the I rankings. I remember that. Oh, yeah. that was the whole that. That was the whole thing. He finally comes back. He fights. Uh, Muhammad, right? I'm trying to pull his record up here. He comes back, yeah, fights Bilal Muhammad, which was supposed to be. Who the fuck was it supposed to be? Kamzat. Yeah, this was the only guy. He was the only one asking for Kamzat back then, too. Remember? Leon, it was supposed to be Leon and Kamzat. 
Kamzat got COVID or something. Maybe. Kamzat was out. I forgot what it was. Yeah, no, he said, like, you want to fight Bilal Muhammad on a fucking week's notice? Fucking all right. All right, I will. Beats up Bilal Muhammad for a round. Pokes him in the eye in a second. Fight doesn't continue. They did not want to give them this. They really didn't. And they gave him the Nate Diaz. They gave Nate Diaz his, his, him as an opponent because it looked like a fight that was going to be really difficult for Nate Diaz to win. That was it. I truly don't believe, Mark, they were trying to make his name on Nate Diaz in that fight. Don't believe it. All right? They don't like him. He asked for, he asked, he, they did not like him then at least. So, and he's not that exciting of a guy. I think they should be able to market him now. I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure you've seen some of the reaction. Yeah. People are losing their yeah. fucking minds in Birmingham. People, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm listening to Ariel's, uh, the Ring MMA show with Ariel Hawani and uh, Chuck Mindenhall and mm. um, Pete Carroll. Which, by the way, um, Ariel does like a half an hour version of my three-minute explanation of Leon's problems. This He did it on the MMA hour this morning, and it's excellent. Um, but, like, people are calling in in near tears talking about this man. Like, he's only the second in, in, a fighter from England to win a championship. Mm -hmm. He's and also, right. you know, he got booed one time in, in England fighting Gunnar Nelson. I mean, because let's, I mean, mm -hmm. he's... He's first generation. He he's Jamaican. English enough, yeah. Yeah, he's you know he's born in Birmingham, Birmingham, but he's you know he's like me. He's first generation. So, by the way, two Jamaican UFC champions. Him and right. uh, him and Aljo. So Strong, yeah. pretty cool. Um, he took a lot from him to get here, man, and that's why when like I watched his post fight speech, Mark, I'll be honest, like at least three or four times minimum, because he was so like that was him him staring at the camera and like doing that whole bit. I'm like. Well, now you're fucking marketable. They're talking about a fight, his mm -hmm. first title defense being in Wembley in the yeah. UK. Um, and by the way, I want to hit this with you later. The, the UK MMA surge we're seeing right now. Mm -hmm. um, almost like the seeds of the Michael Bisping flower are paying off all these years later. Yeah. But yeah, that was such a moment for Leon Edwards. I don't even know how we got here with our talk, but um, we're still talking about this fight, quite frankly. That there was nothing leading up to that head kick, Mark. There was no like, there was not even like an inkling that this guy is working for a head kick. Mm -hmm. Was if you want some fun, and I, by the way, I really like Kamara Usman, but his manager is Ali Abdelaziz. So uh, Henry Cejudo's got a YouTube channel. Don't don't subscribe. You know, maybe watch an incognito mode. Don't don't like. Don't do these things. I mean, okay. I still think he gets a view. He gets a view. Yeah. He doesn't need a like and a comment and a bell. Okay. But he's like recording himself to give his reaction to the fight. Mm. And he's sitting with all the other guys from Dominance MMA, the management team. Sitting with Gaethje, mm -hmm. sitting with Ali Abdelaziz, sitting with Rashad, sitting with all the team over there, right? Let me tell you, when Gamaro gets hit right in the dome, you see Ali, Abde Ali Abdelaziz's head just sink into his lap. Like, motherfucker. I enjoyed that part. Um, that was a huge win, man. And... Um, I guess the question is, are we doing it again right now, Mark? Are we running it back? Are yeah, we going to do I it again, brother? Think, I think you have to, really. I mean, not only because of how dominant Usman has been, um, and that, you know, he like you were saying, leading up to this, people were saying pound for pound the best, but also just like how that fight went. Like, he was winning that fight, and, you know, within the last minute, you know, he lost it. And, and this is, I think a lot of people also talking about, like, this is one of those things that makes this sport so entertaining is that you can't even though you think the fight is going to play out the way it is and oftentimes it does oftentimes this fight goes to a decision and Usman wins but 
the randomness, the ability for someone to win the contest and become a champion at any moment in the fight, give, until that final bell rings, they still have a chance, even if they're exhausted or beaten down or they're behind in the scorecard and they have to finish the fight. There's always this chance that they can pull it off, right? And this is a fantastic example of that. It may be one of the most high-profile come-from-behind victories, but it just, you know, this is what this sport allows. You know, you can't really have something like this in football if you're down 50 points. There is no field goal that you kick it out of the stadium and you win the game. There's no golden, what's it called in Harry Potter? Snitch or snitch? Yeah, there's no snitches. James Holland Bob. I know. I did. Bobby, I was thinking of other words that were definitely not right. I was like, I can't say those because I'm going to embarrass myself. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of traditional sports don't have the the rule set in such a way that I mean, besides you know boxing and other combat sports, that you can win a fight in an instant. Right? The the, the competition, the event can be done in a moment regardless of how far behind you are, right? There's nothing in any other sport that you can I mean, you just, mentioned like, that Yair fight, right? Special. Yair was about to lose. Yeah. Up elbow. Yeah. And I mean, one second left. Yeah. Or three I mean, seconds left, whatever one. Like, that's another one. <laughs> amazing moment. But they, these are just the moments that, that make this sport, you know, truly unique, you know. And to have something at this high level, uh, and for Leon Edwards, too, uh, like, I think, and I like, like you think, and I think a lot of the, the fans think, like, not only – Personally, like, do I have to put much more respect on this dude's name? Because I, I've always thought he was a very technical fighter, but I never thought he was really of this echelon. I mean, look, Just I was the I was the one who was talking about him the most on this podcast, but I didn't tell you he was going to beat Kamaru Usman. I think we were pretty yeah. fair to him last week. We thought we just can't pick against Kamaru Usman. You can't right now. Like, yeah, and I mean, and even there, like some of the top when you look at what he's done in his run since losing to Usman, it is very impressive. But it does lack some of the top, top echelon of the division. And I feel like having a lack of those wins kind of made it tough to be really certain that he was going to be able to beat a guy like Usman. Like, he didn't fight Covington. He didn't even fight a difficult fight like Thompson, right? He had some, he had some you know, high-caliber fighters in here. Dos Anjos, uh, Vince Luque, you know, Nate Diaz is potentially dangerous. And we saw how dangerous he was in that fight. But he didn't have those really high-ranking scalps for us to think like, yeah, yeah, we know he can compete at this level and win. So that's what made this fight, you know, impressive. But like even leading up to that, you know, he still had an amazing record. But I think to the point that we were making earlier about like he hasn't had a ton of finishes recently, right? Like it hasn't and they haven't been really spectacular. You don't finish anybody. (laughs) So, yeah, so it was kind of like I could understand why the UFC – as unjustly as it is and how badly they treated him, I could see why they did that because they did not think they had a star here. This performance makes him a star, right? Not only because of what he accomplished, but because we did see that personality come out. Now look at me being kind of critical. It was kind of a hodgepodge of some of the other greats. He did the Connor walk a little bit. Oh, my dude was so close to calling us. He was so close to grabbing the mic and calling everybody bruv, though. He went full fucking dude from London. Streets of like England. And then, you know, (laughs) do you see me now? Definitely was. I I don't think these were really homages. I think he was just on fucking class. I think he really meant the the, the, do you see me now? Look at me now. I I know it sounded like Brock, but I I but that was the one word. I'm going to invoke Brock. I think that's just what came. I think he was just like that was the he literally wanted to tell everybody you fucking doubted me like everybody they all did okay we all picked against him yeah Mm -hmm. i don't think there was a lot of people that were picking edwards for this fight for sure but yeah i think this performance makes him a star now i think what's going to be difficult is if he can maintain this right he's gonna have to fight usman again 
I do think that's a really difficult fight for him. Mm. Um, and I think, too, I think Usman, one, I do think this guy is like a true bred champion, right? And one thing of being a champion is getting that belt. Another thing they say is defending the belt. He's done that with a plum, right? That's not been an issue. The other factor that doesn't always come up for some of the greats is like, how do you come back from defeat? I feel like he's going to be strong in defeat. I think he's going to look at this fight and realize what he did wrong. And it was like, I took my foot off the gas a little bit in the fifth. I you know, you also posted. don't see Marcus. You don't also don't see guys become like something that George was able to do. GSP. GSP didn't give a shit how it looked. Like GSP going to get a sure. W. And for, honestly, sometimes it wasn't great. Right. Like I remember watching yeah, some GSP fights sure. where you and me were sitting there like, well, fuck, man. Just, you know, I'll check back in in 30 minutes. He got him. He can take him down. Yeah. We're done here. Um, Kamaru, if anything, has become more, uh, not risky, but he's just, look, if you're standing, you have more chance of getting knocked out than if you're on top of the guy. That's what I'm basically trying to say here. Do you yeah. remember Kamaru getting criticized for saying, I only gave 30% in that fight and all that shit? Remember that shit? That same guy. Like, he used to yeah. be a not, an, like, he started off that career of his in the UFC, like, Besides, he knocked out Sergio Marius in the middle somewhere. But yeah, he's got when he beat, more when he beat Woodley. But when he beat Woodley, he was eight. Eight of his last nine fights have been decisions. Mm -hmm. Like that would mean, it, it's uh, it's very <laughs> uncommon to see a champion become more exciting, become more risk not advert, but like being willing to take more risk because yeah. usually when you have that belt, it's just like what get the W at any means necessary and we've seen him maybe lay off the wrestling as much as he could and try to put on more spectacular performances and i think overall like it has made me much more of a fan if he was just getting w's and he was kind of still just stalling people out because his wrestling was so strong his run wouldn't have been as legendary but getting you know at the end of the day it really yeah, is about he's not on tmz calling out canelo you know if he's not sure. doing that he's also like yeah. he's not talking about fighting the fucking light heavyweight champion of the world i mean look i made yeah. a joke about him not wearing a shirt uh, Kamaru's clearly feeling himself, but I felt in yep. the best way possible he was feeling himself. I don't think he got cocky and lost at all. No. I just think for a brief moment, he left a pretty big fucking opening. And a guy mm -hmm. who looked dead, you know, at least in his eyes or whatever you want to assess, but a guy who looked like he wasn't, a guy who doesn't beat anybody by head kick, head kicked him in the fucking head. Like, yeah. it happened. Um, there's a couple things, though. I mean, I don't think, I, look, we what we did we went through this with Amanda right we were trying to count off the people what was it it was two others it became three with Amanda who immediate rematch won their title back. Mm, yeah, I don't remember. Uh, Randy Couture against Vitor. Sure, yeah. And um, Amanda, and that was the other one too. Um, I forgot, but that was it's so rare. We do these a lot. Anytime a champion loses a belt, unless your name is Demetrius Demetrius Johnson, you get an immediate rematch. I was thinking about that the other day. This man had 12 straight title defenses. They traded him rather than give him a rematch against Cejudo. Yeah, Wild. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> um, it's very hard to win that title back. There's a couple factors here that doesn't make me think... I mean, okay. A couple factors why I don't immediately pick Kamaru. One, he just got beat by the guy. Ultimately, he, he lost to him. He was winning 20 minutes, I'd say. 19 mm -hmm. minutes of this 24-minute fight. I'm going to go 19 minutes, okay? Maybe a little bit more, okay? 19 minutes at least he was winning. He's 35 years old. Uh, He got knocked out. He didn't get TKO'd. He got knocked out 
eyes yeah, open. It was, it was one of those knockouts too that like it, like it took a minute for them to explain to him where he was. I thought, and mm-hmm. um, I know he came out and he said he was like they said he was fine. He was at the hospital. He got checked out. And everything. Sometimes it just takes one man. Luke Rockle had a pretty good fucking chin, right? And then left hook Larry Michael Bisping knocked him out one time, and the whole chin went to pot. So mm-hmm. I'm not assuming. I'm not saying Kamaru Usman's done. The man is fucking twenty and two. You know, he's been in some wars though, and he got knocked out. You know, so that's another factor. It not being at elevation, where a guy like Leon Edwards, who I didn't look exhausted or anything, but a guy like him who depends on being there for the entire fight, Mark, like him not having a. I'm assuming Kamaru had better cardio than him this time for mm-hmm. sure, a significantly better. And that's another factor too. If they do do it in England, be fucking awesome. Um, a lot of factors there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think someone said the betting lines were already up. I wanted to pull it up. Um, that's Usman and McGregor. Usman and Chimaev. Usman and Edwards. I mean, he's still minus 375? Mm-hmm. I think that's what it was I mean, before. I'm like, I'm not that confident. Are you? Minus 375 again? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to pick, I probably would pick Usman, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, it, ended up, but, it ended up being at 300 and at the end of the day, 80 ish. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like I said, I think Edwards is going to have an uphill battle. Right. I, I think he I think he is probably going to have to fight Usman. I would love to do the Wembley thing. I don't think they will, to be honest, Bob. I don't know what it is about Dana UFC, suggested it. Did, did he? Because like they've had these opportunities where I feel like they've had the star power that they could sell out, but they get, I don't, I always thought it was just like, they're embarrassed if they don't sell out the thing. And it's just like, just you mean do like, a stadium, you know, like doing the actual stadium, like do a stadium, you do Patty, you do, uh, oh, what's her name? I'm totally blanking Molly? her name. Molly. Um, but you see think... the CV's going to be healthy by then. I don't know. How hurt is Aspinall? Do we know I mean, how bad it is? Was, I don't know if he'll be able to recover in time by when they'd want to do it, but you load that card up and I mean, okay, maybe you can't have all the English bangers, but I think you get those three for sure. You have some other, I mean, look, you got to get some Irish people on there, man. You get, yeah, you, get sure, you get other people. Sure, you get, you you get the rest to, of the, I think you stack the card. If you're not going to have someone quasi local from like the UK, you get big stars on there, right? I mean, this is going to be a big stadium event. You got to blow it out a little bit and then you'll sell. You'll make it that big marquee event. Are, are, were you saying think, the UFC, you think they're hesitant because of the stadium size? Or you think other you're saying that like they don't do this with their guys enough where they pick their guy and put him in the location he should be in? It could be a little bit of both. I mean, look, Connor was at, begging for it. We still, oh my God, we never did career, that. <laughs> at the height of his career when like everyone was, he, he took this sport to, to new levels. He garnered a whole new generation of fans. And all he wanted was to have, you know, I, I don't remember what stadium it is because I'm not that familiar. Uh, Croke like Park, he, I think it's called. Yes. In Dublin, yeah, Croke he, Park. And it's like, look, you know what? You're right. Maybe he won't sell out. Maybe it's a huge stadium. It's a lot of fans. The sport's not as big as soccer or, or I'm sorry, football, if you, you know, European football. But like, just go for it. Make it a big event. But I, think, I don't know, I think, man. What's the name? Uh, Tyson. You know, he's not Tyson Fury, but Tyson Fury right. sold 94,000 tickets there four months ago. Like you yeah. put Leon Edward, uh, Edwards against Usman on there, you maybe you get. Um, I don't know how quickly we're. I don't know where we are with uh, Jan and uh, Yuri. If that even is that's going to happen, or if okay, we're doing the Glover fight, be, you put that, that on there. Bad. Depending on how yeah. hurt is, how, how, you, when can Usman fight? I think does, Patty you know, brings in a lot of fans too. Patty and Molly, I think, are like the, the bright stars. I think you kind of well because also Molly's card. fighting in in November. 
in New York. Cancel Patty wants fight. to fight. Huh? Fuck it. <laughs> Cancel no, but the, the, the thing is, book they, they booked their calendar so far out. They're booked till January anyway, location wise. Okay. I mean, if stick they could this do fucker in February, around. March. Yeah. You know, okay. one of those. Mm-hmm. Like, put it in February, March. It'll be good. They do it over there. Yeah. I, I honestly don't think it's going to happen. I, I'd be shocked if they did. I'd, I'd love be... it. And well, we, well, we didn't. T- I mean, let's talk about. We're just assuming Usman, right? Yeah. Do you know? Do you know what? Do you know what it would take for Usman not to get the next title shot? If the UFC said, "Hey, we want you to fight in January," and Usman's like, "Ah, oh, man, gotta you know, just not ready in January. Can we do February?" UFC say, "Fuck you! You don't get a title shot. Get somebody else out there." That's all it would take for him not to get the title shot, right? Sure. Like, I mean, yeah, it's not hard for the UFC to to basically be like, "This is the plan," and you're on board or not? Because, I mean, uh, Chimev, dude, all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, and I'm pushing his name, Chimev, Chimev right? Chimev. Yeah. He fights Nate in a couple weeks? Three think? weeks, I think. Two or three weeks, yeah. I mean, look, if he demolishes Nate and doesn't get injured, he's kind of raring to go, and that's another huge star. And that could be kind of it. It's kind of a win-win for them, right? It's like, look, it, if Leon beats him, then he solidifies himself. He's a huge star in a huge stadium. It's a huge event. Um, and then, you know, if not, if, uh, you know, Chimeyev is able to beat him, then then that's a I, you know star. I really think they only do the trilogy, they only do the stadium with the trilogy because I think you can sell the fact that like this is the third one, yeah. first one was but, this, you know. But like you're that. saying, Bob, if it is like a scheduling thing and Usman's like, I got injured in training, you know, who knows what multitude. I of swear to God, I, I told you this. I feel bad putting it out in the universe now in the podcast, but why don't you guys go ahead and pencil this in for the Ultimate Fighter? This seems I like a thing you build up, man. Maybe you they, send him to the UK to fucking do UK versus England versus America or something. Sure. Yeah, and run I mean, that Bob, bitch back it's again. Completely, completely realistic because, like, while many of us have given up on the show, the UFC hasn't, and that's what they did with Amanda, right? That was like that was like a, a big rematch that we were going to yeah. see, and they're like, you know what? Let's milk this for a little bit. We need to do another season of tough. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would be real, disappointed. Real briefly, we mm-hmm. when we talk about tough, and I know, like, I realize this because we have a colleague of ours in the office uh, who's a big MMA fan too, and he really has no concept of why tough is, why anybody cared ever, almost right. Mm-hmm. We all watch tough, and every episode of tough, quite frankly, I want to say through season eleven, twelve, somewhere after Ki- one or two after Kimbo, ten, yeah, huh? at least through ten. I was up that was the biggest 10, season, yeah. yeah. Um, when GSP was coasting Kokuji Koscheck, I specifically remember watching that one too. I think that was 12. So, um, this show was good for us because it was a live fight on TV. Or not even live. There was a fight on TV every week. One fight on free TV. Mm-hmm. And that was wonderful to us because this we only got 12 UFC pay-per-views a year and maybe another... 10? 8 to 10? Well, are there even that many Spike TV cards back then? How many fight nights were there? Six? I mean, and that took a while, right? Yeah. It wasn't until and yeah, it wasn't after first, the first Yeah, that was after. You know. Like, we didn't have a, like, there was enough, like, there wasn't so much UFC on, on TV as much back then. Mike and I used to watch, um, what was the organization called that it, it was in Japan after Pride? Oh, Ryzen. No, not that's Ryzen's now. Um, uh, Dream. Dream. We'd watch Dream on uh, HDNet was a channel back then. Like, there was reasons to watch Arthur MMA. That's why anybody liked Tough that actually liked fighting, I felt. Then there were just too many fights on TV. And I'm like, well, I don't give a fuck about these drunks in a house. And then also the, you know, it, the talent pool. Well, I mean, mm. I, I think they kind of butchered their own product. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Dana White's contender series 
is basically that same concept, but Way you cut better. out all the reality. You you basically get to see like I don't know how many fights they have on. Uh, I bet on them there's now five. And and I think and I, I I haven't actually watched it, but like don't they do them quicker too? Like it's I think pretty it's quick. Five fights in like an hour or two hours. So they like, knock it out quick, and then Dana White, like fucking uh, the guy from Gladiator, the Emperor, comes out, thumbs up, thumbs down. Is this motherfucker got a job or not? What Dana feels like. All right. Yeah. Whereas, like, I mean, he's basically rewarding people, which on the Ultimate Fighter, you know, took a whole season, and and I think for a lot of us, the appeal was mostly, I mean, a vast majority of it was really just getting to watch a fight because they were so few and far between. It was worth, you know, watching. A half hour, forty-five, and also it kind of butchered the fight itself because you knew like it's an hour-long episode. If you're getting fifty minutes in, it's like, well, this do you is know what I liked? Remember cause... the one season of Tough Live they did with Uriah and Dominic? Yeah, that was that was interesting. And like we didn't know because the fight would start with half an hour left, which was great because he only right. had half an hour of bullshit to show me. Half an yeah. hour left because they needed a whole fight time in there. And sometimes the shit was done in three minutes, and they just had to kill yeah. time. You know, mm-hmm. have Dominic and Uriah to do bad insults yeah, to each other but i and i do feel i mean look i haven't really there have been still more recent fighters that have come from tough that have been very successful but there's been a lot of fighters that have come from dana white's contender series that i think have been maybe even more successful so it's like you Dude, know how much would we spend... how much would we have loved dana white contender series if it existed when we uh, were like it would have been amazing that would I mean, have been amazing <laughs> just that's <laughs> kind of what we thought all these organizations they were buying buying up was going to become you know we didn't know they were just going to butcher all of them and then take what they wanted and then just kind of leave the carcass behind we kind of thought like oh like maybe when they bought the wfa like oh maybe they'll keep this around and it'll be a feeder organization or maybe strike force will be a feeder organization and no they just they just you know the but feeder organization the is the uh, UFC Apex cards. And then you get fed to the fight night crowd cards. Then you get fed up to yeah, the paper. Yeah. But I mean, look at they they want they always wanted to have just one brand, the UFC, right? And I can kind of understand that. I mean, for us, I mean, look, like, hey, man, I, they're nailing it. They're printing money. They're gonna yeah. make so much money on this next TV deal, too. Well done. Yeah. And the fighters but, aren't gonna know. get any extra of it though, as long as Dana White's in yeah. charge. Yeah. But you know what? Sometimes you just hear enough fighters talk and you're like, oh, they make enough money. It's fine. I don't, I don't want them to get any more. Sure. I feel real negative. All right. I guess we can move on to the other fights, but we're going to do yeah. that real quick, quite frankly. Um, Paulo Costa, Luke Rockhold. Um, these guys got looked real tired. Luke Rockhold yeah. looked like he was going to be done about a minute in. Um, we don't got to dive into all the details with all this one. I'll just say this. A couple notes from this one. One, I quite frankly was more disapp- was actually a little disappointed in Paulo Costa. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, disappointed implies I had expectations of professionalism. And he did make weight. He looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe being a bit harsh, but like I really thought, like man, I know this is altitude, but he was tired three minutes in, and like this man was training for five round fights before. Remember, like he was fighting for about two fights ago. Mm-hmm. I expected him to be a little bit prepared, better prepared. Luke, as he said it himself, fucking old, thirty seven years old. He hadn't done this in three years. I mean, God knows how active he was during that time. Uh, Luke gave us everything he could out there. Paulo in terms of his limited energy, still gave us everything he could. It was fire of the night, but I really thought Paulo should have been to put him away in the first three minutes when it was clearly that Luke was not in his zip code. And uh, like, yeah, I mean, throughout, after the first round, I mean, Luke, there was no poker face on him after the fight. Like, he, it, hands on his knees, not even after the rounds, during the fight, you know, he could not poker face his way out of how exhausted he was. And it definitely felt like, Costa should have been able to apply some pressure and and finish the fight. And he wasn't able to, you know, and Luke stuck in there. 
he he had moments where he could have made something happen, but you can tell that he was so exa- exa- exhausted. He gave us literally so all that was left in the MMA bucket in his heart. There was everything yeah. there. Was, and literally when he, he gave, he had one of the greatest strikes I've ever enjoyed in a fight ever. When he yelled, fuck you, and punched him in the face with that left hand. Did you catch that? The overhand left? Yeah, the fuck I think you? that was in like the third when he was. I almost felt and- like Luke this whole week also sh- talking everything wrong with this sport. My man was oh, out sure, there yeah. literally doing the Jake Paul except to everybody's face about everything wrong mm-hmm. with this thing, about like the pay and this and that and everything about it. This felt like it was almost therapy for him this week. Like, Luke Rockles, I got to get this out of my system, and I'm done. And, like, maybe some of that was trying to rub his blood into another man's face at the end of the fight, which, quite frankly, I was like, well, that's what this sport is sometimes, bro. Uh, like, it I, is what it is. <laughs> I mean, and I, I, I want to pat myself on the back because I've talked about this. It's not something that comes up often, but I have mentioned multiple times on this podcast, I think it was Alexander Otsuka. And I think it was Henzo Gracie. Like, dude was using his blood as a weapon. He mm. finally got on top of Henzo, and he was literally trying to pour his blood in his ears and in his eyes. And I remember when I was in Sacramento, they were doing an open an open meeting with the California State Athletic Commission. And I brought it up. I was like, is there any rules about, like, just using your blood as a fucking weapon against the guy? And, I mean, look, it, it sounds silly because it happens so rarely. But, like... It happens. It's almost like gross. I mean, well, I mean, besides it just being, you know, hygienically disgusting, it also is like, you know, blood can be damaging to your eye or if you're getting into some dude's ear, you know, could be really cat or if you're pouring it into his blood can be, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about She-Hulk in like 20 minutes here, man. Things happen when blood gets mixed in there is all I'm saying. I mean, it, it, I think one, it's kind of like, well, that seems like a very, unique situation that something like that would happen and it also would be like how can you really tell if someone's blatantly smearing but like luke was blatantly you know it was kind I, of, it's a thing also by the people decide what they're going to be like oh this is too far if it's not against the rules like i remember when like when people got angry at people uh so when john jones started throwing that uh the the, the kick that everybody throws <laughs> now the um the oblique, oblique kick. kick yeah we're gonna be stomped the guy above his knee basically right like that move right I remember Quentin Jackson, Rampage, and we all love Rampage, right? Big Rampage podcast was like, mm-hmm. oh, I think it's disrespectful and unsportsmanlike because he's trying to hurt me. And then John Jones said, you're trying to give me brain damage. Well, what are we doing here? I'm going to do what's in the rules. <laughs> and John Jones also does the thing where he has you on the ground. He covers your mouth. So it's hard for you to like catch your breath as easily. <laughs> I'm in favor of all that shit. All right? If it's not against the rules, like... Kamara was doing foot stops in that fight, remember? Like, in, the, in this yeah, fight here. I mean, I, I think fighting techniques I don't have a problem with. Even, like, covering a guy's mouth I don't necessarily have a problem with. And I don't even really care. I just think it's an interesting thing that doesn't come up very often. Because, I mean, most guys don't do it. But when I saw Luke do it, I was like, there's another Alexander Asuka. It's like, I can't hurt this guy with conventional strikes in mm. fighting. I'm just going to try to aggravate him by smearing my blood I mean, in Luke's in Luke's case, it was literally just like basically doing motorboat on a dude's face when he's cut open and stuff, and and ultimately it didn't matter. Yeah, it, I just Luke was treating like honestly, Luke almost felt like Paulo Costa represented every frustration Luke ever had about this sport. I seriously think that was a fifteen minute therapy, well, twenty minutes probably with the yeah uh, thing moments. But that's almost like Luke at the end just looked like he was like not just physically exhausted, but like mentally, he's like, bro, I'm, not, I'm done. And then like yeah. I'm not sure if you saw him in DC afterwards. 
where DC mm. grabbed him when he was coming out of the cage and he gave each other a big hug. And I mean, that team, man, what's, what's AKA now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, legitimate question. I don't mean like, but like, itself. I'm trying to think like Kane's in jail, which Jesus. Um, Luke retired. DC retired. Um, Khabib's retired. Yep. Um, I think he's coaching Islam, though. Islam is at AKA. He still trains mm. with, I see Coach Khabib and Coach Javier in the corner over there. Sure. Um, I, what, I mean, I don't know what's going on. What, a team, I don't know what's, I mean, I think Cynthia Calvillo might be there. I don't know what's going on at AKA. That's interesting for yeah. a team that had like all those champions. Um, Marab Divashvili, Jose Aldo. It's pretty much what happened here, guys. Uh, for three rounds, Marab Divashvili uh, couldn't take down Jose Aldo. Um, mm. In the first round, Jose Aldo hit him enough to win the round. By the third round, Jose Aldo was tired. He still, I think he got taken down once. Was it even that? Jeez, I kind have of? a hard time remembering. Maybe I think. I think you're see, right. Let, I think eventually let me pull up fight. Uh, what's the name of the people who do it? Fight metric. Yeah, but ultimately it was like yeah. you know he did what he had to to, to get the W against Aldo. It wasn't like a super impressive performance. It was a lot of clinch work up against the cage. Aldo, I mean, and ultimately like Aldo's kind of playing it like, oh, what's he doing? He's stalling. He this is boring. But like it's on you to get out of the position. You know, it's not on the ref to separate you. Well, you I don't think he was complaining opponent. that much, was he? I mean, I thought that he was shrugs and being like, oh, I think one time he did like a yawn kind okay. of thing. So, but but it's like it. You know, hey, look, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not having a fun time watching this necessarily, but it's on you. You know, if you're going to placate and kind of be like, oh, this is boring. I was like, well, do something about it, please. You know, um, but it was it was unfortunate uh, performance by although he couldn't get much off, but a huge win for uh, Rob. I, so. I, I don't know what Marab's endgame is because I'm reading an article about how he says the first thing he's going to do after this, he's going to go help uh, train with Aljo to help him cheat, beat that cheater. TJ Dillashaw. Sure. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, they're the same weight class and mm -hmm. it's not a bad guy to have, uh, you know, corner. I mean, him. I think this father. is a, it's a big win for him, but I think there's still a couple guys in this division that, well, you know, if he put a stamp on this one, if he'd put a stamp on it, which I don't think mm -hmm. he had to finish him, but like, if he did what Marab does in other fights, which is like beat this motherfucker up, uh, we might be talking about it because Bantamweight right now, uh, we've talked about it. I, I know you disagree with me. You thought lightweight's still better, but I think it's, so exciting right now mm -hmm. with you got Jan fighting O'Malley. Hard to imagine O'Malley doesn't get a title shot with a win. Honestly. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that'd be an um, insane win. You got TJ for getting the shot against Aljo. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty, that's an Abu Dhabi, right? That's the Abu Dhabi card? Yeah. Because it's on the same I mean, card. I like to think Corey's in the mix, but he's lost too. He's Corey's, come Corey's come up to listen. Marlon to Vera is right fucking there. That's true. Yeah, Maybe we, do Marab, we could do Marab and Marlon, which I just, that'd that's an interesting good. fight. You, I want yeah, it to be five it, rounds, though. That I want a five-rounder for. Yeah, and I do think if that that's a fight, if Marab wins that one, then I'm like, I'm really convinced because Vera's on a hot streak. Right I mean, honestly, anybody wins fight. that fight, you're getting a title shot after that. I mean, yeah, I think it's that's hard fair. to deny so, him. I think, I think you're right. He's up there, but I do think if Sterling beats TJ, I, it'd be interesting to see There's if There's no would be definitive next contender, though, but I know. There isn't one. There isn't a definitive. Yeah, I mean, do you think they would fight each other? Uh, no, uh, TJ, uh, Aljo said he's going to go up to 145. Uh, but that was before he. That was like the week he beat. Um, Jan. I mean, what did he beat? How long has he held the belt, Aljo? Yeah, I don't know. It's May thirty first, he said. After Marab's next win, I'll probably have to move up to allow him a chance that he earned to make history for the country of Georgia to win a world title. We will figure it out. That might just be Aljo saying, uh, "Uncle Dana, get the checkbook." I mean, sure. Then again, we'll Marab is Marab is 
managed by Ali Abdulaziz. He might be able to just convince him to take no money. Um, all right. Um, real quickly, Tyson Pedro, Harry Song, Hunsucker. I say this as someone who really likes Tyson Pedro. You can go back and listen to old episodes of this podcast. And I say old because he had a four-year break in the middle. Talk about how much I like watching this dude fight and how exciting his fights are. Um, his two fights after coming back, Mark. Well, we got mm-hmm. uh, his last fight was against Isaac Villanueva, who had 14 losses, uh, pretty much all of them by finish, who's almost every one of his wins is by knockouts. All right? Knockout. Who was 38 years old when they fought. Okay? Mm-hmm. You notice something there, I feel, about the type of opponent they gave Tyson sure, Pedro. I, I understand the words you're saying. Uh, Harry Hunsucker. <laughs> Seven and five going into this fight. Harry Huntsucker, this is how he got into the UFC. Uh, he went on that Dana White fighting for a contender, looking for a fight yeah. while the Ultimate Fighter is happening show. That's the official title. Um, got knocked out in the first round. Yeah. Eventually made it to the UFC. Couple fights after winning another indie fight. Came back. Fought Taif Tuivasa. Lost in a minute. Came yeah. back. Fight Justin Taffa. Lost in two minutes. Came back. Fought Justin Pedro. Tyson Pedro. I kind yeah. of like this on some level, Mark, because they think they feel that they had something for a hot minute with Tyson Pedro. He's still only 30 years old. He's fighting at 205 pounds. We're getting a bit of young guys in there. He's also fighting out of a really good team. He's another city kickboxing guy. I kind of like the build up here. We're trying to build him back up a bit. Uh, that being said, he killed this dude. That was whew. that was real quick, Mark. That was yeah. uh, that was the that fight saying that fight was gonna not go to decision was the easy was the most free money this card had right yeah we we both like Tyson um and look I like I like watching people crush cans you know it's it's more exciting than having you know a stalling boring fight but at some point you know this division isn't that you know talent rich that like he needs to start fighting some contenders and start going up the ladder we can't just keep feeding him you know warm up no I'm sure we, we point, have to you know get him. Well, what we mean, sure. well, I don't he know got if he's even right. up, which is more than a lot of other, you know, combatants. Yeah, let's but get I, him I up there. Right. I mean, let's get him a top 15 guy. Let's give him, you know, Justin yeah. Jacoby. Justin Jacoby is not going to grapple. He's 14. Have him sure. fight Dustin Jacoby. You know, have him fight, not Paul Craig. Uh, have him fight Tiago Santos, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Ozdemir. What is Ozdemir up to? Get him one of those guys. He just got off a, a decent win. But yeah, yeah but I, I mean, there's, there's interesting fights that I think it's, it's time. You know, he had his warm up. He was gone for a long time, so it's. It's nice the UFC was like, oh, we're going to give you some fights that seem to be very much in your wheelhouse to win, you know, and put on a good performance. He's gotten a couple of those. I think now it's time to to turn up the heat a little bit and see if, if he's got what it takes or not. He still has that podcast he does, you know, that um, it's not that frequent, to be honest. It used to be all, it used to be sure. far more, but it's him and uh, Taito Ivasa doing a podcast together out there making it interesting. Um, Marcin Taibora, just real quick. Marcin Tybora fought a guy, a guy named, um, and I've goddamn lost it. Uh, what's it called? Romanov. Yeah, Alexander. Alexander Romanov. Alexander was a big favorite, and um, a lot of hype behind him. I made a bet on Marcin. I made a couple bets, quite frankly, that paid off. Luckily, my lot. I, I picked Marcin by decision, and I picked this fight going over a round and a half, literally because I was like, it's heavyweights. They're in altitude. I just need this shit to make it out of the first round. That first round was real stressful, Mark. Romanov yeah. threw his ass in the air like a fucking pizza. All right? He just whooped his ass. It could have been a 10-8. It should have been a 10-8. Should have been a draw. Yeah. We got to keep an eye on this kid. He's young. 
very talented. Um, he was 16 and 0, 16 and 1 now. He'll be mm-hmm. back. Um, 11 first round finishes for him. Yeah. So he's a he's a monster. Um, but yeah, that's a guy to keep an eye out on. Um, all right. And over on the uh, other channel in the morning, I'm kind yeah, of by the way PFL. digging the, P- the thing where PFL does their card before the UFC prelims, where they're just like, we know for for the real hardcores, where you're like ten hours of MMA is what I'm in for. Uh, Kayla Harrison. <laughs> uh, wow, that was that was an ass kicking. Um, I made money on her. The only way you can't make money on her, which is called betting on her winning in the first round. Um. Arm triangle, three minutes, 17 seconds into the first round. She won three minutes and 17 seconds of that fight. Um, she's going to fight um, opponent she's already beaten twice. Though, quite frankly, I watched her fight. I was super impressed with her. Larissa Pacheco. Um, seems like those are clearly the two best women the PFL has in that weight class. Mm-hmm. Hell of a promo by Kayla Harrison saying that she is the queen of women's MMA, not the queen of this, you know, promotion not the queen of this sure. weight class the queen of the whole thing which i'm like cool they gotta get somebody free to fight i get why she stayed and took the money and she yeah. you know but like she had to because ufc was lowballing her and shit she's part of the reason amanda left att you know that right that's why Kay- kayla joined yeah yeah she thought that she didn't like that her next ch- challenger was going to be just training with her and stuff but Anyway, we'll see if uh, that comes up. I'd love to see it, but yeah. Okay. Um, I think, and I wanted to see, Oh, they announced this fight, Marcus, that I'm, uh, I don't know what they're doing. Um, Lee Jin Yang, Jin Lang, the, uh, the roach or the, he's the roach, right? No, the, no, yeah. the, um, what? The leech, the leech. The leech. Tony Ferguson. Why? Oh, geez. Uh, Tony At Ferguson said he's going to 170, and the UFC said, well, let's make this motherfucker know, make sure this motherfucker doesn't fight again after this. Like, he's really tough, the leech. He hits really hard, and he's not a big enough name that Tony's going to get anything out of this besides fighting a really tough opponent. I don't get the matchmaking, to be honest. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't hear about that until right now. So, I, I mean, it is tough because... I think besides him being a hard hitter, I think he's pretty durable. So it seems like it's going to be a tough fight. And it just seems like, you know, Tony's taking a lot of beatings and it's, it's going to be hard for me to see Tony just piecing him up without at least getting some hits in as well, which makes me think I, I, I kind of like the leech in that fight just because the wear and tear on Tony, even though, you know, that being said, his last fight with Chandler, which I thought was a, a big, I mean, I don't want to say step in competition because this guy's only fought killers. He looked good. going to be, yeah, I thought it was going to be a really tough fight. It was going to be potentially he was going to get brutalized in it because we weren't thinking Tony was up there. But he really acquitted himself well before he got, you know, horribly knocked out. So, I mean, I do think the leech is not quite at that skill level, but I think at 170, he's going to have the size, the durability. It's an interesting fight. I don't hate it. But, you know, thinking of Tony, fighting longevity. bigger people hitting him, just like mm-hmm. I didn't think that was the, the solution. Let's have bigger people hit me in the head. I know he's thinking I'm faster than all of them. Yeah. But Which he very there's a lot well of fucking be, but... fast. Well, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of fast welterweights, too. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it would be tough for him to fight any. I mean, anyone at 170, I'd be a little concerned about, you know, unless it was someone like a Damian Maya, someone that really wasn't going to want to strike and do, you know, brain trauma to him. That I would think, like, okay, if there's a, a grapple out there, 
he could do well because he has good jujitsu and stuff like that. But I don't know. It, it's intriguing on one point, but I just at this point, I'm just concerned for his well-being, right? I kind of would like to see him hang it up just because, you know, he's been a little out there, right? I don't want to be like too judgmental, but like he's kind no, of. I mean, no, I talk about it all the time, man. Yeah, I, know, I felt yeah. we just kind of moved on from that. They just, but they just wanted to I take more damage. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, as a fight fan and not really caring at all about the the combat's well being, I think it could be a fun, interesting fight. Um, you know, it's not someone that's super talented at 170, so it's not like I feel like he's getting led to the slaughter. But I do feel like it's going to be a competitive, tough match and and probably fairly entertaining. So I don't hate it. Um, yeah, I didn't. I just don't like that matchmaking. Just. I don't know. I also don't. I don't think I like watching him fight anybody anymore. Um. So, anyway. Um. And then um. I had another one, and I totally lost my train of thought about the other one that got booked. Oh, this wasn't booked, but MVP Mark, MV fucking P. Yeah. Gets permission I from Bell. Gets permission from Bellator to do a boxing match. So it's he wasn't. Psych. He's still under contract it's a with Bellator. Psych. I'm doing a goddamn BKFC fight instead. Um, that's apparently what happened, by the way. Mm-hmm. He got permission to say to take a fight, and he said it was a boxing match. And said he did bare knuckle. Um, he lost. Yeah, he broke Mike Perry's jaw. Um, mm-hmm. and I guess it went to some sort of extra round. Yeah, I guess they. Which I, I guess they have like a sudden death where it's kind of like there was no. I mean, K One used to do this too. Like basically, it was a draw. Or they wanted to go to extra rounds, and it was really like whoever wins this last round wins the fight. And I guess I only saw clips and pieces of this, um, but yeah, Mike Perry pulled it yeah. off. So Mike Perry, man, um, broken jaw wants to fight Jake Paul. Probably needed a broken jaw to heal before you do that. Apparently, fighters have been saying I was I heard this on Ben Folks' podcast where like BKFC be paying man, and they pay pretty well. Yeah, and I mean, the checks don't bounce somehow. <laughs> True. I, yeah, I mean it's 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 weird to think. I don't know what kind of numbers they're pulling. But they've garnered a lot of, you know, somewhat high-profile MMA athletes to go over there, and they've all been singing the praises about, you know, the the heft of their paycheck, and and it's been around for a while. You know, we've seen other MMA organizations dip their toe in and be like, we're going to pay the athletes super well, and a lot of times they just can't make ends meet, and they end up folding. Bare knuckle has seemed to kind of been a sustain itself for a while so yeah we got the first one i think didn't we first or second one you and i ordered we might have i know we watched one but there's a couple different ones all starting at the same time but but yeah you know unfortunate for mvp you know mike perry is you know if you were going to look at just their striking abilities he's a much better boxer than he is kickboxer or mma striker so I, i always felt bare knuckle would suit him fairly well you know mvp is a dangerous striker but it's really the versatility of his strikes he has great kicking great flying knees his hands are good, but it wasn't really the one standout for him. So you know, he he had a a rocky debut. But you is know, this where he goes? Which is there. more embarrassing, or is it anything embarrassing at all? Though one of these, I feel definitely is for sure. This fight, this loss to Mike Perry, or Pauli Malinaji losing to Artem Lobov in bare knuckle. Oh, I, th- I think the latter, probably because yeah. the pedigree of the. How did that even happen? <laughs> I and still I think mean, about that. One, again, I didn't get to see it, but it, it did go to like a sudden death. So it wasn't like he just got demolished or knocked out in the first round. Um, you know, he did it. You know, he did the best he could. He put some damage on the guy. Mike Perry is very durable. You yeah. know, the guy has a lot of heart, is part of the reason why he was able to garner. I mean, he got some wins over real fighters in the UFC, too. Yeah, you know? he's, a, he's a tough guy. And I think Bare Knuckle probably suits him better where he can kind of just focus on the one aspect of combat sport where he really seemed to shine. So, you know, big win for him. And, 
MVP. We'll see where he goes from here. But yeah, I, I hope they both cash a pretty hefty paycheck and they can move on. Um, Mike Perry has a child now, and the kid's name is Ocean. With his right. former <laughs> for his corner with his corner woman slash girlfriend, Latori Gonzalez, who I mean I don't think she's the worst corner man we've ever seen at the UFC. Again, the BJ Penn corner still exists. Um, well, we just talked about like two fights for an hour. Let's talk about uh, let's do stuff we like. There's no UFC card this weekend, which I don't understand because there is one the following weekend, which is Labor Day weekend. I don't know. At this point, I got no rhyme or reason to why they do or don't have cards on weekends. Um, but stuff we like, Marcus. Let's talk about uh, something we both watched. I guess um, much we can talk about a show that's had one episode. Sure. She-Hulk, Attorney at mm-hmm. Law. I really enjoyed this man. The one episode I really thought was I really thought was pretty cool. What'd you think? Yeah, no, I definitely from the first trailer and leading up to the show, I was very excited for it. I, there was a lot of backlash with the CG in the trailers, and people were very critical. And I, I could see where they were coming from. I think you know when I first saw She-Hulk and the CG, it, it seemed a little off-putting, but there have been many moments in many things, video games and movies alike, where like at first when you see it, it is kind of like a splash of water in the face and it kind of throws you off a little bit. But like watching the episode, if anything, I just thought like, yeah, some things didn't look great. There was times where like I thought the Hulk Bruce Banner looked a little weird, but like overall, I'm not really going to I wasn't watching this show to analyze the the CGI and be critical of it. I wanted, I, it was going to be a comedy. And, and, and Mark, I was, Mark, which, which show do you watch for CGI to be critical of it? These motherfuckers uh, complaining about some of this stuff, bro. Really not, <laughs> yeah. not any. I mean, that's, that's the things like people will do what they do and hate on what they hate. But from the first trailer, I was like, I think this show looks really fun. I think it looks really interesting. And, you know, I've been a very easy sell for all the Marvel shows. I've enjoyed all of them. Even the worst ones, like, you know, me and Bobby talked often about Winter Soldier, Falcon and Winter Soldier and um, Moon Knight, I think, were maybe some of the weaker ones they've done. But I still enjoyed those and the other ones I enjoyed a lot, a lot, a lot. Just like we talked about Miss Marvel a couple months ago, like I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought that was a fantastic show. And She-Hulk, I, I feel, is right up to par with Miss Marvel and some of the, the best MCU shows they've had. This first episode... I just wanted more. I could have done with more scenes, more of the training kind of montage with Bruce and um, Jennifer, more of the courtroom stuff. At the end of the episode, I was just like, oh, man, I really wish we were doing bulk. We had all the episodes at once because I would definitely want to watch another one. Marcus, do you think I'll give you a yes or no question? Do you think this show is being review bombed? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Worse than Miss Marvel, buddy. Worse than Miss Marvel. I wouldn't be surprised because of a couple of things, right? A lot of people were super critical of the special effects and it being a female driven show. I feel like always, I mean, in this one, I feel like Miss Marvel really dealt with, you know, the character being Muslim, but also female as well. Um, and this one's really about, you know, the female experience. I mean, this first episode, there's a great scene where uh, Jennifer's talking about how she's mastered controlling her rage because of, the way society treats women, you know, her whole life, she has to be on guard and control her emotions. So, you know, becoming She-Hulk was not an issue for her. She kind of excelled at it, which I thought was really fun. Yeah. And, some people call that toxic feminism, a Mary Sue like main character, a woke story f- and forced empowerment. God, we're so doomed as a society. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's just the thing. I mean, another show I'm going to talk about is also has a lot of those elements too. And I, I those things don't bug me at all. In fact, like I, I like seeing shows that have diversity and different experiences, even though I, I feel like a lot of people hear about like, oh, wanting more diversity in shows. And they just think like, you know, as maybe a white male, like, oh, they just they're just pandering to other people to try to sell more. But I, I think really what it's doing is it's just it's telling us different stories that we don't get to see very often. And honestly, for me, it just builds more empathy for other people and what they have to go through. You know, we can we've seen enough white guys be the heroes and they want to talk about Mary Sue's like you can just look at any action movie where it's just like, oh, this guy is perfect at everything. And he's the superhero that saves the girl at the end of the day. But it's just like, I'm kind of tired of that. And, you know, if it's done well or, you know, whatever, I'll still watch, you know, a film with a white lead in it. But, you know, I'm also probably maybe even more interested in having shows with female leads, people of color and telling their stories because they're new and exciting when they're told. Well, they're just as captivating as anything else. So uh, I really like she Hulk. And look, guys, I mean, if you're one of those people who's offended, just be. Just think about it this way. Disney's run by a bunch of white dudes. They all get the money at the end anyway. That makes you feel better about yeah, you're, what you're watching. Hey, don't worry. You're still on top, white guy. Like, believe yeah. me, okay? Like, nothing. You're fine, okay? Like, you're still running the planet. We had one black president, the and they thought the whole thing fell apart. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's one kind of One for 45. Silly. Yeah. I mean, people just, you know, there's a lot of insecurity out there, and I it's it's kind of mind-boggling to think they see a, an entertainment show that you know portrays the opposite sex or a person of color or a person of a different religion in a somewhat positive light and it gets them all in a jimmy with maybe not actually watching the show look at if you watch she hulk and you legitimately didn't like it for whatever reason that's fine you can have your opinions we don't all like the same thing um but i watched it and i thoroughly enjoyed it and i definitely look forward to the rest of the season i think it's going to be one of marvel's uh you know top shows and i'm interested to see what they do with the character going forward where she's going to end up in other movies and stuff so yeah i'm, I'm all for it i've enjoyed it and maybe towards the end of the season we can do a big breakdown of all yeah. the story beats and stuff like I, that I, but, man, the once a week thing i get it but like yeah i mean i do too it's it's fun to have something to look forward to but like when you really like a show it's like and you're kind it of makes me forget sometimes i'll be honest it makes me there's so much stuff out there now that like i kind of forget no. if i, I mean, wait a whole stuff week like this i i don't my whole week is like thursday baby can't wait for she and it was it's tough because me and christine watch critical role which is a live twitch show that starts at seven christine usually gets home at six so it's like look at i know we don't have a lot of time before critical role starts but we're watching she hulk we'll fit dinner and walking the dogs later i need to watch this one because i'm gonna see a bunch of youtube videos after spoiling a bunch of stuff so i need to i need to see it day of at least and i just thoroughly enjoy that so for me it is not when it's a really good show the only thing i don't like is having to wait um, because I just want to watch more of it. Um, but you know, if that's their model and they want to kind of make a conversation every week, I can also enjoy that. Um, another thing, uh, been a few more weeks now of Harley Quinn. Yeah, I've dropped off. I need to, we're get back, back baby. Home. It's nice. good. We're back, baby. Yeah. I, um, I have no doubt. I, still not enough King shark for me. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm a big I King shark. Know, Bobby, Mark. If they if they can have enough King shark works, not just his show for you. <laughs> But yeah, I'll be honest. I'm waiting for the King Shark spinoff. But um, I'm liking. There's a little bit more focus on Frank, um, okay. the houseplant. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay. Who doesn't like him? Yeah. Is there some stuff going on there? The the, the Harley and the uh, Ivy thing is kind of fit it hit it hit its stride. I guess their their coupleness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
there's a lot of Joker stuff that's made me laugh a lot in this one. Um, just, I think that, I just love that show so much. And if Discovery wants to not cancel that fucking show, you know, they're out there canceling all these other shows, canceling shows yeah. Mark loves. Like, yeah, come on, man. You know what it was? The problem with HBO Max, Mark? There was no problem with HBO Max. Everybody liked no, it. it was great. And we had yeah. to come ruin it. We had to come ruin it. It was one <laughs> No of one was bitching were... about price. Yeah, 15 no. bucks is a lot of money, but we're, no one is bitching, you know? Yeah. Yep. They they really, you know, and maybe that was the thing. Maybe it's not super sustainable just because they had so much good stuff on there for not. No, no, it just did their merging and Discovery's got to save some money yeah, somewhere else because they paid for I mean, HBO. It just, yeah. It's kind of like you had a good thing. Maybe it's not super financially sustain- sustainable, but what it was giving them was just like good press among so, amongst the fans. Did you so. watch um, House of Dragons? No. Did that actually start? Okay. So that tells you what happened to Game of Thrones, bro. It just it started. Yeah. Do you know okay. why I know it started? The only reason I know it started, it was, um, and I thought it was kind of funny because, you know, AEW is on Turner, which is all part of the sure. whole media mm-hmm. with HBO and Discovery. So they they sponsored the entire episode of AEW's Wednesday Night Show Dynamite, uh, House of Dragon did. Mm-hmm. So they did all sorts of shit with like, they had like Dragon Lee did a, did a, did a one spot appearance from, he's a wrestler from uh, Japan, or sorry, from Mexico. Mm-hmm. They brought Dragon Lee in. They did a match, which was um, Dan- uh, Brian Danielson, who's known as the American Dragon, taking on okay. the Dragon Slayer, uh, Daniel Garcia, in a two out of three falls match. It went for like 40 minutes. They really, I thought they kind of gussied it up. There was like, they had House of Dragon all over the, th- the mat. That's how I know this show was happening. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch it either. I was kind of hoping you had and can convince me. But I'll just, I, the thing I liked is I read an article saying that the character portrayed by Matt Smith who the one from Doctor okay. Who? Okay. He was a Doctor Who one. He's on uh, the Crown now. Sure. Uh, people are calling him basically um, Homelander Targaryen. <laughs> basically, he's just a Homelander on that show. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, we kind of wish I kind of wish Stefan popped on the podcast to tell us if it's good or not. But I think Stefan would also give us a far deeper analysis than either me and you care about for a show. Yeah, like I, that. I, I, I'm just not the biggest Game of Thrones fans to be honest. Like I, I enjoyed the seasons i watched but i didn't finish the show my girlfriend watched the episode and she did say mm-hmm. she liked she did tell me to watch it i'm hoping because she liked it actually but mm-hmm. like yeah I, I i honestly the way it ended game of thrones i wasn't i know a lot of people got upset about right. how bad the ending was and i really thought like okay landing's not good but i also wasn't i watched every episode and every season right yeah. but i wasn't so invested that it bothered sure. me that it was yeah, bad yeah. at the end. It wasn't even that bad either, honestly. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Bob, but sometimes when I hear like, "Oh, this is really bad," I don't know if you were watching it like as it was. Coming oh, I out, was but... watching it, and I remember thinking, "Okay, okay." I remember, I do remember thinking like, "You guys made me learn a bunch of stuff," and like all my friends mm-hmm. who read the books, like Mike and Stefan, and tell me all these things about this person was related to this person, and he's really the right. master of this person. And we learned all this stuff, and I almost felt like, "Oh, we I was just we just waste everybody's time mm-hmm. with that stuff." Okay. That was really my only criticism over that time, but. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, really, my thing I like is the article calling that guy Homelander Targaryen, even though I haven't watched the show. <laughs> okay. It made me laugh. It made me laugh. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it. I can't think of anything else I watched. Like the MMA. Yeah. MMA was great, even though yeah. the card was boring until that head kick. Marcus, what do you got this week? <laughs> yeah, I got a couple things. Um, I talked about it last week, but I did finish uh, A League of Their Own. And that was kind of the other show that I was talking about that is, you know, female-focused and a lot of the characters on that show are queer um and they deal with some uh trans issues as well and that was a fantastic show uh i i mean someone i have to admit like i was a fan of the movie 
for whatever reason, it was one of those movies as a kid I ended up watching a lot. And I've also, you know, over the past couple of years with Ted Lasso and Shorzy, I've come around on just thinking like TV shows based around sport teams are generally pretty good. You know, there's enough drama there to kind of push you along outside of even the interpersonal stories. But A League of Their Own was just really fantastic. You know, I think it really hit a good stride between being dramatic, but also comedic. So nothing ever got so serious that like it kind of pulled you out. You watched nothing the movie? Ever got... What's that? Have you seen the movie? Yeah, no, that's what I was saying. I watched it a lot. Oh, yeah, okay. Kid. All yeah, right. It was okay. one of those movies that like I probably watched like 20 or 30 times, whether it was okay. just on TV a bunch or we had the VHS, whatever the case was. And I loved it. I thought it was really fun. Um, I mean, this show isn't really like, I mean, it, there's definitely some similarities. It's a woman's baseball league that, you know, there's not a male league because the war is going on, but it, it deals with so much more issues that are female focused, that are queer focused, trans issues and um, the treatment of, uh, black women as well like and they do all that really well and i mean mostly you just get invested in the story with the characters and again like the dialogue is it's either interesting or witty it keeps your attention the whole way through and it's definitely one of those shows like i'm glad it wasn't a weekly basis because you know me and christine multiple times were like let's you know it's getting kind of late but let's watch one more because i'm so intrigued on what's going to happen next um not a super long series i think it was eight episodes but they are just under an hour so it's a bit of a commitment but yeah really fantastic show uh bob i want to mention for uh to you because i know you've had your finger on the pulse and i'm excited to play it although reviews came out this morning and have not been super stellar that reboot of saints row is out as you guys are listening to this or for us tomorrow uh mm -hmm. reviews came out and they were kind of middling mostly just kind of saying that it kind of feels like an older type game you know, it's not going for the the superhero kind of antics that the last uh, Saints Row Four. It's just the original. Is Saints Row One? It, it's it's a reboot, so it's oh, not the, okay. the same game. They're just kind of rebooting it, but it's more grounded, right? You're not, you know, doing as but you're not flying around as a superhero and all that stuff. But like, it's still kind of wacky and zany. Uh, reviews weren't super positive on it but i'm still excited to play it like i don't know like i still think it's it's fun so it is it it's a new story it's not just we're yeah it's a new story with new protagonists they kind of revitalize the saints or whatever you but bought it yeah i bought it um and i'm definitely gonna play it. well you know we'll see what my mileage is you know like i said there's criticisms of the gameplay and some of those things but i don't know when i watch the trailers like it just looks like dumb fun so a lot of the criticism is like it's not really moving the needle you know it's it's a little uh, you know, repetitive with, you know, a lot of shooting. You're mostly just shooting dudes. You're doing some driving that doesn't feel like super great, but I don't know. I've always had a soft spot for Saints Row. And I actually, like, I was one of the few people, like, the crazier it got, I kind of got unsold. I think the third one was kind of that sweet spot for me where I really liked the, the fourth, mechanics. Was it the fourth one was insane. I remember that one. Was yeah, bonkers. I liked the third one with the guns, and it was like, oh, if you keep leveling up this gun, you get like incinerary rounds or the guns kind of do different things. And I think this game kind of does that. And there's a lot of customize, like you Did, can customize your character and be crazy. And I think the guns and the cars you can customize a lot too. So I'm kind of interested. Is there a significance of the day one edition? I don't think so. I think you may, I think right. maybe you get some DLC stuff, but yeah. I mean, honestly, um, I think it's 59 99. So it's full price, but it's not next gen full price. If you're not like super into it, I definitely see this game going on sale within, you know, a month or two. I think 30 might be a sweet spot, but I was, I've was i always liked these games. I want to try it out. So. Apparently, the pre-order pack gets you stuff. A yeah. DJ helmet, a twinkle bat, and a sandstorm scrambler. Yeah. I, honestly, I love Saints Row. I didn't even play the first two, I don't think. I think three is the first one I bought. 
Okay. But I'm, I might still buy this. Make another game yeah. I pay for play for a weekend and then don't finish. It's really yeah. my pattern these days with PS5. The only thing I'm really doing is power washing, baby. By the way, this power washing game has got a lot going on. Like, yeah, I, I'm pretty I sure, I, sure. I, I, I sprayed a drill that was like a drill meant to drill to the center of the earth. Sure. Like, yeah, it, like it was a laser body. attached. There's a whole thing going on. <laughs> it's, by the way, become very difficult. <laughs> like a lot yeah, of this cleaning clean and stuff. easy. Yeah, you know, some of this stuff is taking me like multiple sessions or hours and hours. But yeah, go ahead. So you, you had any, anything else? No, that was it. Right on. Um, so we're going to be back next week. Um, we're going to talk about this Aspinall, not Aspinall, um, Gone, Gone versus yeah. uh, Tuivasa fight. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Um, that is, that's a pretty interesting fight. I look forward to losing 10 bucks on Tuivasa by knockout. Mm. Yo, he's plus 400 just to win. You got to yeah. think him to win by knockout. That was only like plus 500 because how the fuck else is he going to win? You know, True. him by submission. That's the way to go, baby. Tie Tuivasa by Oma Plata. Um, there's another decent one on that card, too, I believe. Uh, yeah, Whitaker and Marvin Vittori is interesting. Uh, if you're a real shit-eating wild man, I want to watch MMA this week. There's a Contender Series thing. Um, Christian Lee's fighting uh, on 1FC. I think it's on Amazon. It might the, be. 1FC uh, this weekend. pretty good about posting that stuff on YouTube. I'm a, I subscribe to I think YouTube they're going to put this on Amazon Prime Video, but I don't think they're going to actually air it live because... Mm, okay. Well, it's Weird just the fights have the fights happening at five thirty a.m. Yeah. time here. So, if you can avoid cut stuff, or you hear some cool shit happen and you want to watch it, um, that's this week. Next week they're actually putting on. I think. Oh, no, sorry, it's next week. I apologize. Wait, I'm confused. I stand it's corrected, Mark. They do have a they have they have a free card and they have a, a fight card happening that's going to be on Prime Video, allegedly live with Mighty Mouse right, Johnson man. this weekend. Oh, okay. Trying to he's beat that guy who beat him. Right? Trying yeah, to beat that we'll, guy who beat him. Well, I got nothing to do. I'll watch it. Um, even though Mighty Mouse really let me down this week with his MAGA comments. Um, he didn't say MAGA, but once you talk about how you didn't like how the Seattle people, the Seattle government was handling the pandemic with all the masks. We we know sure. Mighty Mouse. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, this card in, uh, in Paris. The UFC's debut in Paris. And they're putting their best foot fight, best fo- foot forward with two interesting fights and a bunch of garbage after that. There you go. They don't even got more Frenchmen than this. Um, do you think they got McDessie on the card? Because I think he's from Montreal, and they're like, he might speak fucking French, Close right? Enough. Listen yeah, him out maybe, there. Maybe. Um, but Vittori versus Bobby Knuckles is on there, and that's an interesting fight to call right there. Yep. In addition to Toi Vasengan. All right, we'll talk about that next week, um, and we'll slower, slowly inching towards Nate Diaz, shocking the world. And tapping out Kamzat Chimeyev in about 30 seconds, I think, Mark. That's that's what the bet I'll be making. We'll see. We'll talk about that. We'll be back next week, though, guys. Thank you all so much for listening. Mike will be back. So it'll be the something of the day we'll talk about next week. But until then, that was DJ Mark. I was Dr. Law. Peace out. See ya. So now Mike's not here in our, like, outro talking. Is normally led by his nonsense. Yeah, I was interested to my, see what my, you were going to say. I really, Mike, just really carrying the extracurriculars on this podcast. Extracurriculars on this podcast. Let's man. be real, Bob. There's just two of us. There was no new fight card. We still went an hour and twenty three minutes. We, we talked about it. one. Ladies we and gentlemen, as I say road. goodbye, we one crowd. We left it all on this podcast. There's nothing exactly. In this intro. Bye, guys.